Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soul Sessions Live. I'm Deborah, and this is Rob, if you haven't met us yet. <laughs> Welcome back. And the, we are starting a new series. We just finished up a series on entrepreneurship and um, personal growth and how that impacts a person to mm. step out and to do the, what they love, live their purpose, and mm. how... We, Push young, them into doing what yeah, they love. Yes, and how <laughs> young age psychology and Eastern spirituality helps people understand that path that they're taking. And so this series, uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about something really fun because it's the end of the year. And this is also mm. one of my favorite topics is the archetypes and how they show up in popular culture. And one of the things I love about watching, well, I love movies. I'm a movie buff and Rob Thank Net- God he likes them too. Netflix and chill. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, we have all the movie channels. We love to watch movies. But the thing we love about it is that afterwards we mm. get to discuss, or even during the movie, like the archetypes that show up in movies. And uh, being in L.A., where there's a lot of uh, people that are into movies and screenwriting. And it's just such a great, a great um, underst- it's a way to understand this kind of force that's within us. We're going to talk about what archetypes are. And how they influence our culture, how they influence our personal life, and uh, how we can work with them and be more aware of them. So this episode is going to be about our one of our favorite series is The Crown. And if you haven't seen The Crown, we're not going to give you any spoilers, but you know the real life story, so it's nothing's going to be a big surprise. And we're going to talk about the queen, the archetype of the queen, the mother, the princess, the Lover, and The Warrior, and nice. the characters in that series. And as you, those of you um, out there, you can relate to one of those characters of which, and maybe different stages of your life, and we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. So, Rob, <clears throat> let's start off with what are archetypes, because a lot of people hear the term, and it sounds so mystical, and <laughs> how would you describe, or what? how would Jung describe what an archetype is? Yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective, if we go back to Freud, um, early 1900s. Let's um, go back. Uh, his idea of psychoanalysis, uh, and, and really the idea that there's an unconscious mind in us mm-hmm. that is very influential in how we see the world and, and the kind of things that we do in the world, was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody had really brought that forth into popular culture mm-hmm. like Freud did. He was an excellent promoter of his work, and he just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And then Jung, of course, Jung and Adler uh, kind of came along with him, but went off into different directions. And for us, Jung really took it to the next level because he opened up the idea of if you look at literature, if you look at art, you're seeing something deeper of the expression of the psyche mm. than just your personal neuroses like like Freud had thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing uh, sexual images in these <laughs> things or projecting these things. But Jung said, yeah, there, there's definitely some of that, but there's deeper elements going on, which he called the archetypes. And the archetypes are... Uh, in a sense, in the Jungian sense, they're creating our culture. And what he says is they're autonomous forces. Mm. So they're very much like the Greeks thought of the gods mm. influencing and playing into human culture. Uh, that's more the way the Jung saw the archetypal work, is that it, they are these psychic forces that are playing out in culture and politics in cinema and literature and so it's a it's a unique way of seeing the world that really gives us a way to understand it and so from freud's point of view he might have thought that the culture is created by our neuroses and our personal history and this is humanity and this is how humanity plays out and we can think of you know centuries and centuries of 
uh, being uh, on this planet, we formed different cultural agreements but and, and the roles that we took on. But what Jung saw is that that predates humanity. Archetypes predate hu- the humanity. They they have they're the building blocks of the universe, and um, they take on characters. They keep, take on themes. Um, like the hero's journey is an archetype itself. Mm-hmm. The ego is an archetype. Uh, so it's not just uh, saints. Um, I know in, in, in Catholicism, there's the saints for different uh, type of uh, areas of life. So they're kind of take on the archetypes, the Greek gods. And also, too, what I loved about learning. Well, Rob, you have your degree in undergrad in fine arts. So I didn't study art growing up in New Jersey. It wasn't I wasn't exposed to that kind of culture. Um, going to see artwork with you and go to the great museums like the mm-hmm. Metropolitan Museum of Art and um, and what, looking at all these masterpieces you see the archetypes in there and for me understanding that that part of the psyche helps me even have a deeper appreciation for the artist and for the art and it's just it's just fascinating it just makes life more more rich yeah and so in the crown uh, we see some very interesting archetypes uh being played out mm-hmm. by these individuals. Mm. And we're going to focus, there's also the male, but we're going to focus on the the female archetypes. And when Tony Wolf studied with Young, she realized that there were these four primary roles that women fell into back in the Victorian days. And that was the mother, the wife role, the uh, lover role, the professional or the warrior role, and then the mystical role. The, he, she called it the medium which is more like kind of the the nun or the witch the witch that lives in the, the who does the herbs and she's like kind of outside of society, and so um, as modern women we our our roles are a little more complicated. We're not just the mother. We're not just the lover. Um, we we have a lot of we have a, we're the professional and the mother sometimes, and so by understanding these archetypes, we can understand a little bit of who we are. And so that's some of the things we teach in our coach training is helping a woman identify what's their driving archetype and then how do they balance out the others and how do they work with the shadow around it. So let's start with the first one, which is the mother, mother, but also the queen is, is sort of um, integrated with this, uh, the Queen Elizabeth, because she is a mother, but she's the mother of the state of the, of kind of the, the ruler of the, um, of the country. Absolutely. Uh, so this is an ancient archetype. Uh, if you look at history, monarchs uh, and uh, kings and queens were some of the first uh, kind of archetypal images that you see in, in art, mm-hmm. where you have um, this idea that the, the king or the queen, in this case, the queen is... Uh, an incarnation of the divine. Mm. She represents the divine in human form, mm-hmm. and therefore it's a way of people following the 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 divinity that's guiding them in their everyday life. Um, now, the interaction between the personal. Because the queen, as a person, has to have a persona, mm-hmm. meaning a, a self-identity as, a, as an individual. And then this archetypal element that comes in, uh, that falls upon her, right? The, crown. the expectations of, of... The expectations what? of the role. Of the that, role, yeah. Yeah, because it's a huge role. And, and she mm-hmm. talks a little bit about it in, some, in uh, one, of the, uh, one of the seasons, that the... The crown fell on her. Yeah, and right? it's the crown is the is the kind of the archetype, and that she's living under versus she's creating the crown and the conditions for what the crown means. It's like no, the crown has already a pre pre um, a pre uh, expectation that she doesn't have control over. When it's kind of like that with archetypes, they yeah. they already set, and you live into them unless you're conscious. Yeah, and you see uh, before her, I think it was her her uncle, right, mm-hmm. who abdicated the crown mm-hmm. because it was too much. Uh, he, he, he didn't want to lose his personality, his ability to experience the world at the individual level. And choose who he loved. And That's that. right. And when 
when you're playing out the bigger role of the the queen, uh, you you have to abdicate the the personal the personality essentially mm -hmm. your individual identity to play the bigger role, mm -hmm. and not anybody can do that. I yeah. mean, as an individual, you have to hand it to her that she was able to do this. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then if we go down the line to the princess, Princess Di. Again, she would be, she's like the woman to be, inherit the crown. So she has all this expectation mm. on her. She's marrying the heir to the throne. Um, and he, um, just like his uncle, was in love with someone else that wasn't appropriate for the lineage of the crown. And so that archetype, he had to take on this archetype that he, in a way, had a conflict with of being the heir and then choosing this woman who was appropriate. And so Diana got caught up in that whole system. Not She didn't make a personal choice. I want to be the princess, and I want to have my life. She was basically forced into a role that she didn't have any power over. And so she, you could see her anxiety and questioning. But also there was that, you know, also she, become, she could be the queen. So it's like this conflict with that role and then what's expected of her and then feeling trapped in it. And many times... When we fall into that arc, when the archetype is driving, we don't have any power over our choices, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so you see this interplay between these cosmic forces uh, and the individual. So does the individual have any control? And maybe control is a is too uh, hard of a word, but more of a uh, let's say a, a relationship with this archetype. Mm. Uh, because Diane, as an individual, she she kind of sensed that she was meant to do something bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, she had that kind of unconscious element already going in her. But she wasn't aware of what it meant, mm. right? What does it mean to enter into these bigger archetypal roles? She uh, was It was said that she chose to stay a virgin because she knew she wanted to marry into the royal family like she was preparing herself like saving herself for that role yeah and but then she didn't she was young she didn't realize what it entailed yes so young would say at this point that the individual is able to become conscious to some extent mm -hmm. of the archetypal element and and in being conscious of that then they're able to make better choices mm -hmm. whereas when it catches you unconsciously in a sense that it it sweeps you away in that force of uh destiny and history mm. you you don't really have any choice mm. you're you're kind of swept along without you having any any way of guiding your decisions and what she did was instead of integrating her unique individual self with the role, she rejected the role. And so she kind of went off on her own. She was kind of like her own person. But then in that, she fell out of the role because she didn't stay in line with what the, the crown expected right. of her. So it's like she broke the rules. She wasn't able to integrate it. Are you looking for a satisfying career that has meaning and purpose? Are you seeking a path of growth and wish you could have it all in one program? Well, our Jungian Life Coach program does just that. It gives you a new career as a certified life coach, as well as take you through our Jungian methodology to help you become your true self and make amazing transformation in your life and the lives of others. So visit JungianLifeCoach.com, click on apply and speak with me, Deborah, directly so we can discuss your future and possibilities in becoming a certified life coach. That's youngin.lifecoach.com. Yeah, at the individual level, she was definitely struggling uh, to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, if she had gone to a therapist, well, she probably... I wish I could have coached her. <laughs> yeah, she probably went to oh, the same age therapist, as but she needed a, a Jungian coach more. Yeah. Um, it would be like an adjustment disorder that she was experiencing, mm -hmm. right? Because she had uh, trouble with her uh, eating disorder yeah, and, yeah. and those kind of things. It was just kind of adjusting. Oh, she wasn't comfortable. She wasn't able to really cope with 
the demands of the archetypal role. It's almost like this big role has like it's a life of its own, like a, a costume. And then as she prepared to play the role, she's she felt kind of insignificant, like she couldn't fill it up, you know. Like and so it kind of cru- the role crushed her, versus became an extension of her. And um, I want to move on to um, also Camilla, which is the lover, and she is the typical. Um, the woman the man loves, but he can't have the un- unrequited love, the other woman. And so she also had mm. this conflict because she did love Charles and Charles loved her and the crown dictated the archetype, you know, was like, this is, these are the rules. <laughs> you can't be free to marry who you love. This is just not how it is. And, um, and she said, they're going to hate me if you leave her Diana, cause everyone loved Diana and so it's like she was in this very impossible situation. And even now, I don't know people in the UK, I don't follow what's going on over there. But even that, there, um, there probably is some, um, you know, looking at her like, is she really that, um, you know, like kind of still disdain for her, like kind of hurting Diana or do people like her now? I don't know if they've outgrown it or. Well, just to be it. clear, we're, we're talking more about the the, t- the TV series, not so much the characters themselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We always respect people as individuals yeah. and giving them the benefit of a doubt. But we always see that, too, with even the archetypal role of the other woman is that she's this you know, outcasts, like she doesn't, um, she acts, she's outside of the traditional role, like she's not fitting in. And, um, and then there, we always have this conflict with mm-hmm. love and duty and what is accepted of us and what is, you know, where do, where do we place ourselves? Yeah. Um, so if it was a fairy tale, this would be the Wicked Witch uh, coming yeah. in with a poison apple mm-hmm. in a sense. Wanting to destroy the, the marriage. and Right. Uh, and... Bringing in the kind of the trickster element, mm-hmm. which is that uncertainty mm-hmm. of what's going to happen here. And she kind of is a trickster figure in the th- series. They they portray her as this kind of joking and mm-hmm. kind of like stabbing, dabbing uh, at Diana. And, yeah, and know, it was kind of an open secret, mm-hmm. right, that, that she was in the, the, the marriage. Yeah. At one point, the character says, there was three of us in this mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the... The prince and the princess. It was this third element, mm. which is the spoiler. And then when they go to the queen, and the queen, they say we just need we can't live together anymore. The queen is more interested in not their personal mm. feelings. It's more the crown is bigger than your personal feelings. So deal with it. And so yeah, that was her. from her for, from her perspective, it, you know, it, it was a no brainer. Mm. Like if you really want to be the king. You got to take this bigger role and mm. responsibility. Forget about your, you know, your fantasies about love and mm. all that. But to, to Charles, it didn't make sense. You know? Yeah, and even earlier on in the series, if you watch the first, where she struggled with the infidelity of Philip, and you know they were stuck mm. in like her. Also, she couldn't divorce him. She was like, I, we're we're in this marriage forever, and like the role takes over. And so that's these ideas of archetypes. They, from our personal life, they take over and we feel um, if we don't make them conscious, we don't understand, we're not able to actively participate with them. They just kind of rule our life. The last one, which I find is the most relevant to many women is, um, which I, I don't know how many people relate to Margaret Thatcher, but her role as the warrior, the professional, she was very, if you looked at her persona, it was very the put Iron together. Lady. The Iron Lady was her nickname. And there was a scene where she was crying about her son, and um, uh, he had been missing or something. And uh, she was just broke down, and she was so embarrassed. So this kind of expectation that if you're the persona, if you're the, um, uh, the this professional woman, you know, there's no feelings. You know, there's no emotion. You have to stay uh, true. And um, And I just find that a lot of us put on that professional role and we forget to bring our heart and soul. And that's why the corporate world can be so crushing for a lot of people, soul crushing, because it is so like you can't have feelings, you can't have Mm -hmm. problems, you keep it, you know, don't bring your personal life into the corporate boardroom. And, uh, And so we also, so if you are in that corporate world, you're taking on that persona, the professional, that archetype. And, uh, there are rules to that, you know, this is 
like the warrior doesn't worry about crying. The warrior is out there fighting the battle. He he's not sitting there dealing with his emotions or her emotions. They're out there fighting the battle. And so I found that uh, aspect as well. So we see all these per, uh, feminine archetypes in the in the role, and it's almost says predates them. They, 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 these characters fall into those archetypes versus they create them. Yeah, through conscious decision. Yeah, the nickname of the Iron Lady is a good metaphor uh, that fits the. The role she was playing, mm-hmm. because <clears throat> what what women in those kind of roles have to do is create a lot of armor mm. around them, which is what Jung would call the persona. Mm-hmm. So they create a persona of invulnerability, of toughness, of thick skin. But of course, that's just a facade. Mm-hmm. It's the appearance of things. Mm-hmm. Underneath, there is... A human being, like mm-hmm. you know, all of us, and um, when when a person doesn't do internal work, they believe that's who they are. They mm-hmm. believe this is as good as it gets. I if I build up this persona and maintain it and make it shiny and beautiful, people will like it. It's and, if I get the right degree, if I get the right yeah. promotion, if I have the right titles. Uh, then people will respect me. and But we're basically basing it on an archetype of that's what the archetype requires. So we create our persona around that. Yes. And you see something really important here uh, that, you know, these people had everything, basically. What, what the ordinary person believes, oh, my God, they have it made. Mm-hmm. But you see that they were, they were suffering. They were mm-hmm. in pain. They mm-hmm. were uh, unhappy. Uh so the external facade of things does not make you happy. You see it over and over in, in well, in these characters, right? Almost all of them were unhappy to some extent. Mm. Um, that these external trappings, they're just that. They're, they're a, it's a golden cage, mm-hmm. but it doesn't bring you happiness. Now, it doesn't mean uh, you can't be happy in those situations. Obviously, if they had done their internal work, they would have been really happy in those uh, playing mm-hmm. those roles. You know what I find this this kind of makes me think about um, the generational um, roles of women mm-hmm. for the past hundred years, um, and a lot of the work we do with women, it's very uh, impactful. Is their relationship with their mother, the mother type, the mother archetype, and I think that um, there are many women who became mothers not because they wanted to but because that was the expectation of the archetypal role that a woman should play she's either you can be the professional which most people weren't even encouraged to get education back then 100 years ago and then um already be the other woman or you're going to be the wife so you you choose most people chose the wife and the mother and I think many people, I mean, when I talk to women all, all over the years, a lot of them have issues with their mothers. So they're saying, I don't think my mother wanted to be a mother, mm. you know. Mm. And so I think that we, you know, we have to remember that our mothers and our grandmothers sometimes fell into the archetype of mother because that's the only role that was available to them in this in culture and society. And that their expect your expectation of that role um they didn't fulfill, and so many of them fall short. I mean, even mothers now, we, I have clients that are mothers, and they're always worried about being a bad mother. They're not fulfilling that role. And um, and that's kind of, I think, the, the power of the archetype as well, is am I fulfilling the role? Am I whole, like I'm identifying with the, this role, and it, mm-hmm. am I fulfilling it to the best? And what are the expectations of it? Just like the crown, you're the leader of the family, you're the matriarch of the family, you have responsibility. And uh, how many of us want to say, I want to have fun. <laughs> I, we have like wine, the mom, wine moms now they call it. I guess they want to just drink wine and escape their, you know, like have fun again. And uh, so I think that we have to examine our roles is for women, especially examine our roles, uh, the roles that we feel like have been chosen for us. And not only from our society, but call, uh, archetypally, you know, we, we fall into these categories and, how do we how do we become our true self? How do we 
can, can we play those roles, but also integrate our own personal experience and our own personal desires and our own flavor of what that means? Yeah. Uh, one of the themes you see a lot um, in in literature and movies is this uh, this conflict between duty and mm-hmm. passion. Yes. So on the one hand, you have your heart's desire, mm-hmm. which wants to be free and romantic and be in love and experience. You want to be the lover. <laughs> yeah, experience life to its fullest. And then you have duty, which is you got to do your part. Responsible. You got to take on the, the duties of the crown or the duties mm-hmm. of the persona or the, the job, mm-hmm. the corporate position. And... It's a it's a tough conflict uh, in a lot of people, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of people that because of that conflict they give up. Mm. They say, "I if I can't get what I want, then I I won't do anything with mm-hmm. my life." They they abdicate their life essentially, mm-hmm. and that's not so. A you good abdicate way. you don't abdicate the throne or the role. You abdicate your life you end up for do, the role. Yeah, you end up doing neither. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a sense, it's better to choose one or the other, but it's all, it's, there's a third option, which is better to be aware of this. Mm. It's like um, the archetype doesn't ask your permission to take over your life. So you, you, it, you have to create that uh, connection to this archetypal energy that's in you to basically create a partnership with it versus... Um, let it run autonomously, and if you're, you're not conscious of it, you will take on that role, and you will you may resent being the mother, or you may resent being the lover, feeling you know you're that's your role. You're the other woman. You're the you're not the type of woman that a man marries. You're the type of woman that he has an affair with because your persona is this you know the the seductress you know or the the, the carefree artist, and um, and you know I think also with these roles like. Uh, the, the archetype of the lover can be like the artist. And there's a mm-hmm. conflict between I want to make money, but I don't want to sell my art out and I want to honor those. And so the archetype of the artist where kind of the lover type will um, will take over the person's life and they'll reject money because they feel there's some some like it's um, the archetype won't allow that. <laughs> the archetype is supposed to be irresponsible and, and uh, you know, vagabond. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so at the end of the day, it's the work is about understanding that you're playing a role, mm-hmm. and in dealing with the archetype, it's understanding that there are these forces in in culture and the way the the world organizes itself uh, that sometimes it falls upon you to play a certain role that is bigger than than just your personality. Mm. It's asking you to step into this, uh, this this archetypal role. So when uh, we train coaches, a lot of times they'll, they have to take on the role of the teacher yeah. or the guide. And they may not have any past mm. experience with that. And so they start off, so you, you access the archetype. Uh, and then that archetype can assist in you. Not only um, for you to get, it's already within you, it's to bring it out. Yeah. Right? And uh, that bringing out, it sounds easy, but Jung says... It sounds like opening up a box. Here it is. (laughs) Jung says that it's it's kind of a birth, you know, a a second birth. Mm. But you're you're creating yourself in a very conscious way mm-hmm. or at least you're conscious of the process you're, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily directing the process but you're conscious of it you're participating in it mm-hmm. because uh, we can't re- we can't control the archetypes they're mm-hmm. like he says they're autonomous but just like uh, in sailing we're we're collaborating with the wind in order for it to current. move us and the currents and the mm-hmm. stars to guide us, and so we're we're participating with these forces in a more conscious way instead of just saying, "Well, I'm just going to let it take me wherever it wants." So let's just also just mention that a lot of people will take on the archetype as their persona, which 
so uh, there's this, I don't know, a long time ago, there's someone was talking about, like a lot of people in the life coaching, they talk about dream, like the, um, the um, uh, queen, you know, become the queen of your life. A lot of self-empowerment, become the queen. And so we, what we want to do is become conscious of the archetypal aspect of that, not just put a queen persona. Um, and so when we do archetypal work, we have to first do our shadow work. Is that why you wear a crown in the house? Yes. I know. Every time I see that show, I'm like, I want a crown. They're so pretty. Um, no, because if you don't do the shadow work, what will happen is you'll have an inflated ego, your inflated persona of I'm the queen, I'm the queen. And then you're pushing more rejecting things than actually in integrating the, the mm -hmm. bigger forces. It becomes more of a an act than actually we have natural forces in the psyche that are there to help us express that. So for me, um, I wasn't trained to be a teacher. I wasn't trained in this, um, you know, to teach. I mean, none of us have really. We're just regular human beings. And then when we take on the role of teacher, it's not that I'm creating a persona around that. It's more I'm act allowing the archetype. And, mm -hmm. and it's like a partnership with the archetype that that's kind of the expression. That's borrowing that energy to be expressed, but not saying, oh, I'm the teacher, that's me, that's the ego. That What we're doing is transcending the ego. So that's the tricky part of that, is um, is this idea of wh who we are is not the archetype, it's the archetype is living through us, and we're the ship. That's <laughs> like a bigger, bigger part of ourselves. Yeah, how do you see uh, Diane's role in kind of, um, well, she she died, obviously, mm -hmm. in a tragic accident. Mm. From your perspective, how do you see that in the archetypal role she was playing? I feel like there's an archetype of the tragedy, mm. the death of a young, the hero, in a way. Like, she was a hero to a lot of people. Um, the, I also think that um, what we tend to do is project onto the divine, onto these archetypes. So a person is playing the role of the princess. The world seems to put this magical thing on her. And she said in her interviews that she didn't really understand like why everyone was so infatuated with her. you know. And so she carried the burden of everyone's projections. And I think that ultimately led to her death because of the, um, the paparazzi chasing her down that hole and just making her life so unhappy and um and i think that that's one thing i always recommend tell our coaches is that you don't want to get caught up in that i'm the great teacher i'm the great teacher because that comes with a big price it's like you get people to, it's a lot of responsibility to take on that projection of everyone saying you're going to help me you're going to save me um and so uh, she i don't think she understood that and i think her death is um I mean, I think there are lots of stories and, and myths about the hero dying young, the 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 the, the, um, the person that people admired. It's like always, always seems to play out that way in a in a lot of we see a lot of uh, that with musicians and they we say it's drugs that that drove them, but it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. There's always this archetype of that long loss, like uh, mm -hmm. the life loss too soon, and. Uh, I don't know. I think that adds to the 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 numinous quality she had around herself. You know, this she came went away too soon, like Marilyn Monroe, or uh, she was also kind of that victim of that projection, and that uh, she was the lover, uh, and so everyone projected that sex symbol onto her, and yeah. she used it for a while, but then it ended up, yeah, absolutely taking over. Uh, you know, there 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 are ancient archetypes of sacrifice. Oh yeah, where um, in, in, for example, in Aztec culture, there was actually a school that would groom these very talented people mm -hmm. uh, and prepare them for this sacrifice mm -hmm. um, as an offering to the gods and a, and a way to appease the gods. That here we are as humans offering our best to the divinity. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it it has a lot, a little bit of that element that you have somebody who is beloved by everyone, but at the same time, she that that weight that she's carrying 
the projection um, yeah the love right it kind of for for the individual it's tragic but it it, it immortalizes them in, mm. in the sense that they become something bigger than just mm. an individual. Yeah, if you met her, she'd just be an ordinary. You'd meet her, and she's just regular person. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I've met people that are really famous, and you, they're just regular people. But this facade around them, this like glow or this image around them, is so much bigger than life. And uh, and that's uh, that's kind of. The tragedy of being a celebrity, the tragedy of being a teacher, um, of being um, someone who gets a lot of attention, royalty. Um, well, I know earlier when we were talking, you mentioned the the dark side of these archetypes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's what I I would think that uh, all that attention and all that love projected onto you um, is a is a lot of um, responsibility to uphold. Like you have to kind of keep up with what everyone expects of you. And so the dark side could be, um, well, for Diane, it's you ha- You can't marry who you love. You're, you're stuck mm-hmm. in that role. For the queen, it's um, you can't show emotion. You have to be, you know, not <laughs> nurture your children. Um, the same thing with the Iron, well, Iron Lady. She uh, couldn't, uh, she couldn't be just be a mom. And uh, which she had said something interesting. One of the lines was, you know, of all the things I've accomplished, the one thing that was the most important that brought to me to my most important role is being a mother. And it was like, if she needed something mm. almost near tragedy to n- understand that. And, um, and so I think the dark side, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative, but it's that kind of, it, it helps us move back into balance. It, it, it says, you know, like, cause a mother could be really take on the role of this very overly nurturing, overly protective, that squeezes the life out of the child and the child can't ever make decisions and that worry, uh, overly concerned and, and it makes the child almost hurts the child in a way. Cause then she feels she can't trust the world because mom's saying it's dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. Um, and then that too much love that the woman may rebel or the distant mother, um, could also, that may be the dark side of her, but then, the opportunity for the child is to be more independent. So who's to say what role, like the mother role, the expectation is is going to play out for the person mm-hmm. in the long run? Right? Well, I can point out a couple of uh, dark elements in, in the crown, in the okay. story. And here again, we're talking about the TV series, not so much the characters because we respect the, their private lives. But there is this uh, hiding away of these relatives that had um, oh, yeah. um, physical genetic uh, disorders or mm-hmm. disabilities and kind of uh, hiding them away in these mm. institutions out of the public's eye. Because they needed the pure, to, to state that the, the uh, bloodline was pure of the king and the queen, yes. the royal line. I also think that another, um, it's not really dark, but it's kind of a, balancing out of the seriousness of the crown is that scene where they were putting those things on their head dibble dibble game and they were kind of it's almost like feeding the shadow in a way or feeding the trickster that they in the in private they're playing these like silly games and being silly and very unprofessional and very you know and uh, margaret margaret thatcher spends time with them and she's just like oh like <laughs> so uh so opposite of the persona that they put in Absolutely. And then the dark side of the mother, too, is uh, Queen Elizabeth when Charles says, you know, I want to marry Camilla. Like, I love her. And the mother has like, no, you this is your duty. I'm sorry. And so that dark side of um, not uh, unnurturing, not not being able to nurture because of the. Yeah, I think just like at, at the individual level, the shadow becomes dark if if we don't face it, if we don't mm-hmm. integrate it. Uh, at, at the archetypal level, it's the same process. If the culture, if that that whole culture of royalty doesn't deal with their shadow, mm-hmm. uh, then it plays out in these dark and destructive ways. Mm. Yeah, so the what we can learn from this for our own life is where do we, um, where, where, what archetype, 
like for women, what what archetype do you mm. fall into? And someone was asking, what's the daughter archetype? Well, if the daughter is the, the feminine archetype. Uh, what happens is the daughter chooses, based on her relationship with her mother, what role she plays, and, mm. and, or re, and maybe not even consciously, but through instinct, she says, "Well, my mother was too had too much responsibility. I want to go off and be independent. I don't want to be tied down to ten kids and a husband and cooking and cleaning. I want to have my own thing." Or she becomes the lover, which is, um, I, I want the freedom. I don't, I don't want to be tied down to a, a husband. I want to just kind of have sex and be free and, and not be tied down to that traditional role. Or they say, I want to be just like my mother, and they kind of fall into that role. Or they leave the world altogether and they become that kind of mystical woman. They go away to be to, the, to become a nun or something there like that. There is, uh, yeah. in one of the uh, seasons, there's a woman, I think it's one of the sisters mm-hmm. of the, the queen or the queen mother mm-hmm. that becomes a nun yes. and goes off yeah. into a monastery. So if you're looking at what the daughter is, the daughter is these four archetypes, and you can look at your relationship with your mother and see where you, um, you decided or allowed this other archetype to to fall uh, fall into your role. So um, if your mother wasn't nurturing, you may become very nurturing because you're now giving the love that you never get to other people. Like So th- it's never like every situation's the same, but that's kind of how we fall into. And so what we want to do is um, we want to work on that shadow element of the personal decisions we've made and, and what our personal fears are about that early life conditioning. But then remember that we're playing a bigger role and that we can integrate these other elements. We're not stuck. Be, I mean, that's the beauty of Jungian psychology. You're not stuck from the past and just dealing and coping with the shadow elements of your personal unconscious. But then you have access to archetypal, bigger universal forces that you can create from that aren't limited to your personal experience. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, what I would look at is what role have you chosen? Who do you really resonate with? Who triggers you the most in the crown? Uh, uh, what role would you reject? And then, like, you examine, like, why? What, why are you drawn to a certain role? What do you secretly wish you can do? And how how much how you've made your decisions about, especially women, about marriage, about family, about money, about being a mother, um, about uh, being uh, about sex and freedom and all those other things too, and spirituality. Okay, so we have some questions. When you refer to the darker shadow side, is the negative aspect of the filling the archetype role not the actual dark aspect of the person's personality? Well, when we talk about shadow, it's not really the dark aspect in like a negative sense. Mostly what's in our shadow is uh, light, um, it's really the the things the ego creates a persona uh, early in life, and the things that don't fit into their environment go into the shadow. So it could be all your greatness, all your glory, all your uh, charismatic uh, abilities uh, that didn't fit. It could be emotional. Yeah. It could be more if you, if your family uh, is very logical, and you would put the emotions in the shadow, like more that emotional, heartfelt sensitivity or you're overly sensitive and you're taking the logic in the shadow so there's those elements of that and then when we talk about the dark and light aspects of the archetype that's more kind of like the creative and destructive forces but even in the destruction we don't see them as negative we just see them as kind of working together i mean they can be but what do you think they can be very destructive Uh, you see it in mother nature of course Mm. Uh, she gives life and abundance in these beautiful trees and jungles and then a hurricane comes along and wipes everything off the you know off the island or something Um, the mother archetype uh, at a more personal level she can give you nurturance life uh, you know everything you need to live but at the same time, she could smother you, mm-hmm. even through her own... Like uh, love, right? Yeah, yeah, through her own wanting to please you and to mm. ca- care for you. If you don't do your role, if you don't do your part to break away mm-hmm. and individuate, then that force, even though it's 
you know, uh, it's a good intention, that role can be destructive in your life. And when we talk about the arc, so there's the personal level, which is really just, there's nothing really negative or positive. It's just adaptive and non-adaptive. And, and if you're not aware, you're not really making conscious choices in your life. And then the archetypal level, the light and dark, is there are positive and negative creative and destructive forces in the universe uh, that we are, that are in us. So it's, it's a broader um, spectrum. But when we're working on the personal level, it's more of um, a misalignment of identity and judgment of who we are on a, like the ego level. So it's, yeah. And, and ultimately, I mean, Jung saw the, the even the ego and the personas as archetypes because they're, they're patterns, right? Mm-hmm. You see the, these patterns show up in almost every individual. So how is the shadow side of the archetype supposed to be integrated? What is the suggestion way to do that? Uh, well, the shadow is of the persona. The archetype has a dark side uh, and a light side, which is I, w- I would think of it as more creative and destructive. Um, we want to be conscious of it, um, but we can't really, we have to be aware of it, but we really, the, the first work is working on the shadow, our personal shadow, which is not on the archetypal level, but more on the personal roles we've taken on as a woman mm-hmm. in, in the world. Well, you see it play out in religion a lot. Mm. Uh, so in some religions, they want to split the good and the evil, mm. right? They want to say the, the, the God that we worship is all light and all love and all purity. Mm. And the evil then is cast out mm. somehow separate, mm. which is shadow basically there at the archetypal level. Mm. Uh, other more philosophical or more balanced approaches, uh, they see, yeah, the, the divinity or, or the God has a creative aspect, but it has also a destructive aspect to it. And that's more balancing. Mm. The, it's the less a, like almost like a understanding that even the destructive has a role. You know, it's like you can't have the light without the dark. You can't have death without life and birth. You know, they go together. So it's about understanding those cycles. And that uh, ultimately, truly, we have to ask ourselves, what is our goal? Mm. Is our goal to get things out there and be safe? Or is our goal to understand who we are? And on a on a deep the deepest level, individuation is about understanding and realizing that we're the self. Self realization is that we're one with everything. So whether it shows up as light or dark, we can really be in that force of even in destruction and not lose ourselves in it. So that's really the goal. It's not to like, ooh, let's get rid of the negative and make it all positive because we have to understand, oh wait. So um, a perfect example of this just on a personal level is that, um, you know, when my dad died, it was very sad. You know, he died almost 10 years ago. And it was a really tough thing. And I remember just being in so much grief, and it was just so horrible. And I couldn't sleep. I, it was just really, really the, the worst time of my life. I don't think I've grieved so much about anything in my life. And um, and I finally realized through that grief that it, if I didn't love him so much, I wouldn't be grieving. And so I saw the oneness in it. I saw that wow, even though I I love him, when you love someone, loss comes with it. And it's part of that being human and part of that. And then it becomes more, I'm just getting rid of the grief and I got to be happy again. It's like I saw the the beauty of the grief and then it helped me work with it. Mm -hmm. And so something that's kind of an example of we see the destructive nature, but we understand that we're balancing both the 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 forces in our life and that ultimately we're powerful you know we can that we're, we whatever's happening on the surface of the of the ocean whether the ship is going through a storm or not we are the ocean that's really the big picture um so yeah and thank you it sounds like shadow or dark side suppressed facets of the self yes uh well the shadow yes yeah, is, uh, is suppressed uh, or rejected parts of our personal self, archetypes are universal, our universal self. So the difference. It took me a while to get that because it's like uh, that there's these two layers to us, the personal level with our conditioning and our own persona, and then there's these universal forces that are play out in our life. And that's what creates these personas and these roles that we play that are happening beneath the surface. 
Yeah, but I hope uh, this conversation gives you a way of understanding movies, literature, uh, plays in a deeper way. Because to me, it's no accident that human beings love to create movies mm-hmm. and plays and stories, stories yeah. because that's how our mind works. It generates these narratives for us that give meaning to our life. Well, the Greeks had myths about the gods and that taught them about life and, mm-hmm. you know, jealousy and, uh, you know, mother, daughter with, uh, you know, the, the Medusa and the hero and uh, slaying the dragons and then the things under the wall. Uh, what do they call the uh, kraken <laughs> under the uh, under the earth? And, you know, very metaphorical. And if we think about even religious stories and religious myths, they also have this these archetypal elements to it. And to, to see it from that lens, we start to understand ourselves as more than just a human being, but as this universal force ourselves that we're playing out in this world. So it's a beautiful study. So we'll talk about more, um, more movies and shows and archetypes coming in the next few weeks. If there's a specific show or movie that you feel you would love for us mm-hmm. to talk about, post it below. We'd love to hear what um what characters uh call out to you and like to know more about um we know that so many um uh screenwriters actually go to young analysts to work with themselves and then come up with these characters for their their uh, their own stories so very archetypal um little little bat beyond but game of thrones is one of them that has a lot of archetypal myths and uh uh, characters and, and evolution and it teaches us about our life it teaches us about our power and about humanity and a lot of the brings super- more meaning to the world right yeah a lot of the superhero movies are mm. based on ancient myths too yeah. well thank you for your questions uh yeah it's a really a, a wonderful uh deep work young in psychology and we, we, the foundation of the philosophy is based on Vedanta, so it's more um, that Eastern spirituality of oneness, of one consciousness, and so played with Jung, who, who uh, studied lots of Eastern philosophy, and that's where he came up with the concept of the self, the true self. And um, yeah, it's a very deep, profound way to work with your life, and we hope you enjoyed today's uh, podcast, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Stay well. Take care, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Session. See you next time.